Abandon all prejudices, all ye who enter here. Park your paradigms, perk up your ears, and open your mind, as we now shine the laser light of reason on the topic of astrology, sharing our views regarding aspects. Hello, I'm David Bolton, and welcome to my podcast channel, dedicated to helping people think more clearly, make sounder judgments, avoid superficiality, and above all, to unceasingly question instead of naively accepting what others want us to believe, for this is the path of Socrates. My friend Michelangelo, you are there, aren't you? I am indeed, David. Greetings from sunny New York City, where it's sunny pleasantly days. cold for this Western New Yorker who grew up in the snowiest part of the country back in the day. Oh, yes, pleasantly cold. That doesn't yeah. exist for me. I don't like cold, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if it's cool, okay, but cold, ugh, no. It must have been a little cold in Balmer when you were growing up, no? Uh, well, I remember the winter of 66, when it was like three, four feet of snow out in the ground, we didn't have to go to school for a week. Yeah. <laughs> the irony know. was we lived right around the corner from the school, but most kids didn't. You know, we could have trudged through the snow, but we were so yeah. happy that for a week we could have to go, but it was really brutal, cold. And yeah. Do you remember that, 66? Yeah. Like, it was all along the eastern uh, coast. Well, for us, it was the blizzard of 77, but um, oh, was yeah, that, that was the memorable one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you missed that one. Yeah. But yeah, no, Buffalo had something like 400 inches of snow that. Uh, <laughs> 400? All at yeah, the same time yeah. or what? <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, no, one one big one big blizzard dumped, you know, tons of snow. I don't really know how much, but over the year, I think we had 400 inches of snow. Which oh, was over there, okay, wow, yeah. Well, snow is really beautiful, but the cold weather, I, I just wish it could snow and be warm at the same time. Well, I'm sure that the globalists will be happy to comply with some plastic snow. <laughs> They'll have some you. kind of fake artificial snow and it'll be 78 degrees and totally yeah, snowy. Yeah, yeah there you <laughs> But go. it'll be poison yeah. too, so you drop dead after you breathe in those flakes. For yeah, they'll days. bring in that special methane snow from Saturn for you, for Jupiter. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Hollywood, of course, has had fake snow for years, so, you know, I'm sure they can, oh, they can manage for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and we we discussed that we both had pleasant Thanksgivings, and we hope that everybody out there in audio land had the same, if you're in the continental U.S. or otherwise I mean, connected to the U.S. they had the money to buy the turkey. So yeah, absolutely. Things yeah. are rough for some people, and... And who knows, for, you know, I hope they celebrate as much as they could, because for some of those people, it's going to be their last Thanksgiving. You know, those get four or five, six vaccinations, you know, besides oh, which yeah. maybe nuclear war is going to break out. We're all going to be dead by next year. So I hope people enjoyed it. Yeah, I, th I think it's important, you know, to enjoy yes. these things. Well, Life anyway, is too after short. Macabre beginning here. Let's yeah. get right into it with aspects. Would you like to define aspects for us in astrology, Michelangelo? Well, I mean, I. I guess a garden variety uh, definition would be the angular relationships between various horoscopic elements, you know, uh, and and their meaning that are, that are imbued and, with and meaning. the significance yeah. thereof. Yeah, yeah the, the significance, significance of certain uh, angular distances between planets. Yeah. yeah. Now, why exactly. would anybody think that that's relevant or important aspects? Well, I think that goes back to the a more ancient idea. Now, and I'm not an expert on these things, but I mean, I have read a certain amount. The idea that the the reason that planets acquire their uh, potency is through the transmission of light and reception of light from the sun. 
so that uh, depending on the angular relationship, you know, the, the planet is not illuminated to as great a, great a degree. So it's considered to be less, um, you know, capable of transmitting. You know, the whole idea is that it's an energetic array that that base is based on the transmission of light. Now, that I could be totally talking out of my, you know. Well, whatever. you must have gotten it from on somewhere. This. The truth is, I've, I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, well, it's certainly a, a, an aspect of horary, the idea of, of planets transmitting light to each other. Uh, well, um, yeah, but that's and... more in a figurative sense, isn't it? Well, is it? I mean, I suppose technically it would be, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because you figure, for, sure. for example, yeah, some planets like Venus have their phases. Well, like the moon has, of course, phases. Yeah. But if yeah. you take a planet like Mars, there are no phases there, you know, or Saturn or Jupiter. They never appear like a half Jupiter. Yeah. It's always the full Jupiter that we see. We only see one side of it, but <laughs> nonetheless, yeah. so I wouldn't see why light would play much of a role there. Yeah. Okay, Although well, for the moon, more... of course, that's a different yeah. story. And in Venus, we don't even take that into account, any kind of phases. Yeah. or. Yeah, well, we would sort of have to come up with a mechanism whereby planetary uh, relationships can be, or planetary energies can be, you know, uh, connected, right? Um, well, you sent like me a that. link to a book. Uh, I forget what the author's name was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just saw it, yeah. Yeah, it looked really interesting, but I'm not going to pay 40 bucks for it. <laughs> yeah. I have so many books to read anyway, you know, it's just, but I'd yeah. like to see yeah. what the title was so I could mention it here if anybody's interested. Uh, uh, let's see, Cat Catalyst Astrology, is that it? I think that's the website. It's Oh, something. Scientific Astrology, a Harmonic Planetary Model by Keith Bound, Ph.D., yeah. Yeah. A PhD probably won't be in. Oh no, it's in. It won't be in astrology because there is no, there such, is no thing. such thing. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be. I don't know what it's in. To tell you the truth. Yeah, it could be. But anything, uh, right? I read. Well, the description of it. He bases some ideas on those of Percy Seymour, who was a black South African physicist, a science. Yeah, you expert. and I have talked about Percy. Yeah. Yes, astrology and, uh, the evidence of science yeah great book i i certainly read that more than once yeah and he had the idea that planetary angles and this is fact do influence sun activity i think around the equator of the sun the electromagnetic yeah. properties of the sun and the electromagnetic properties of the sun influence those of the earth therefore yeah. if you have certain angles that are influencing sun they would influence the earth as well yeah. And that could be the mechanism that would explain things like the Gauguin effect and other things in astrology. Sure. Uh, I loved his attitude, namely not just rejecting astrology because it's astrology, but looking at the Gauguin studies, realizing these were very serious scientific studies, and then thinking, well, there must be some kind of a mechanism to explain this, and then looking as a scientist, as he was, uh, yeah. for what mechanism that could be and coming up with a theory that could well yeah. be true. Yeah, yeah. And so this book looks yeah. like be interesting, but I'm not going to put out forty dollars because if it's not interesting, I'll kick myself for paying forty bucks for it. <laughs> That's a lot of money for a book <laughs> these days when you have thousands of thousands of internet. And <laughs> I guess I'm just a cheapskate. And I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, well, Dave, when they take the internet down, you know, you'll have to fall back on those books. So just. Uh... Oh, well, that's that true. Mind. When I think of all the money <laughs> I did spend on astrology books back in 1977, 78, 79, every 
penny I got I spent in books in German and then in English and then some in Spanish and some in yeah. French. I just got every book I could think of. But yeah. I'm through with that now. Now I just sit and think and come up with all kinds of things. But anyway, yeah. I want to uh, point out that uh, book to people in case some would be interested. And because you mentioned that with the light, I don't think it has so much to do with light. However, I've always imagined the following. Yeah. Imagine we were cavemen back 100,000 years ago or whenever. Okay. Okay, these days we take for granted things like day and night or the phases of the moon. But for yeah. primitive peoples, these were dramatic things. Of course, they were used to them as well, obviously. Yeah. But, but nonetheless, I've, I've often thought, suppose you're an alien coming from a certain planet and you come through a wormhole, you just appear here, and your planet happens to be very dark, for example. And you just happen to appear in the dark side of the earth, that is, it's night there. And you think, oh, this is great, I can see well and everything is fine. But then things start getting light because the earth is revolving, of course. And, and then it's day, you would be terrified if you're an alien from right. a totally dark planet or almost dark. <laughs> yep. Or if you're an alien from a planet where it's always daylight, I don't know, say you come from the sunny side of Mercury. There's one side of Mercury is always facing the sun. And yeah. you only, of course, aliens almost certainly don't live there, but it's just a thought experiment. And then you come to Earth and then it becomes night. You get here and the day becomes night. You would be terrified. Yeah. In other words, these are dramatic events, things like day and night. Of course. And we just take them in stride, but they're, they're really extremely different. And then with the phases of the moon, cave people no doubt looked up and saw, oh, the moon, the crescent moon and the half moon and, and then going soon full, but then the moon starts to disappear. Thus all yeah. these myths they had about the moon being swallowed up and you know, killed by a dragon yeah, yeah. or eaten sure. by something or another, only to be reborn again in a few weeks. Uh, these are dramatic events and they, for aspects, I think it's worth meditating on such fantasies to think about what aspects are. If we yeah. compare, for example, the new moon and the full moon, we don't even see the new moon. No. We don't even see it. It's out there, of course, but we don't see it because it's on the same side as the sun. And of course, the sun obliterates yeah. <laughs> everything, yeah. so we, we can't see that. Uh, but then when it goes towards full, how it grows in light and gets to the opposition. So the two yeah. most dramatic phases of the moon, or of course, new moon, where it's not there, and full moon, where it's totally there. And that in astrology is, of course, the conjunction and the opposition. Right. And yep. theoretically, you could make an astrology, let's call it caveman astrology, very, very primitive, where you have two types of people, people born at the new moon, that is new moon phase, and full moon phase. Now, the new moon phase in that case would be not just the new moon itself, but the whole phase where the moon is less than half full. Yeah. So it'd be 180 degrees of the whole circle. And the right. full moon phase is when the moon is half full and a little bit more, and the center point being the full moon. So we only have right. two aspects with that. We have the full moon phase and the new moon phase. And yeah. everybody falls into one of those two. Yeah. Now, how's that for a primitive astrology? However, yeah. if you consider that as far as this conjunction, new moon, opposition, full moon, or with planets, you, you do the same thing with Mars. When Sun and Mars are in the same side of the Earth, it's conjunction. And when they're in yeah. opposite sides, it's the opposition. Yeah. 
So there again, we could divide it only into two aspects, conjunction and opposition, each one having an entire phase of 180 degrees. In other words, it's like a conjunction with a 90 degree orb. Yeah. And then the opposition. But now consider the following. Let's give these two situations numbers. We'll call the conjunction zero and we'll call the opposition one. Right. Because you have, oh, let's take the moon. The moon can be either in the phase of conjunction, that is in that half of the shard, or opposition. So uh, what's your case? Your case would be in the, uh, you would get a one, right? Because you have the moon more than 90 degrees from the sun, right? Yeah. Okay, so you get a one. I get a zero there because mine's more mm -hmm. in the new moon phase. But then yeah. you have the moon with Mercury and with Venus and with Mars and with Jupiter, Saturn. So each one could get a zero and one. At the end, you could get a string of nine different numbers, zero and one, just like computers. <laughs> you know, just yeah. like, isn't Binary that astrology, yeah. Because that way, if you consider all the possible zeros and ones, now with Mercury and, and Venus, well, they're, they're always on the same side. So your moon would be probably either zero, zero, or one, one for them. But still, you come up with probably about, I think, maybe 256 combinations of zeros and ones just with the moon to each planet. Yeah. In other words, a person could be defined by the phases, and that's just the moon to everything. Then you have the sun to everything, although Mercury and Venus would always be the conjunction, right? Yeah. yeah. But then you have the other planets to each other planet. It would be, you could see each person is really a unique individual with using only two aspects with a huge orb. Yeah. Now, what does that say for the normal aspect theory where they say, well, let's see, for a conjunction, we're going to give it 10 degree orb or 15 degree orb, or maybe 12 degrees, like John Addy, or five degrees, and the opposition will give half of that, or maybe the same. Well, here's a model where you'd only have a conjunction opposition, and you wouldn't need any more, and still you could say some individual things, but not about one specific planetary combination. With the sun and moon, it would just be conjunction or opposition. Right. But then after that point, going back to the cave days again, you, they might be looking up at the sky for the nth time and say, well, why don't we divide it up? Instead of just one huge phase for new moon and one for full moon, look at the half moon. Why don't we call them two other phases? So now you have four. Mm -hmm. New moon, uh, and then the waxing half moon, and then the full moon, and then the waning half moon. And so now you have four. Now you have the conjunction, the opposition, and two squares. Yep. I don't know at what point they decided, well, why don't we do 120 degrees and have trines there? Because if you look at this, the moon, it's, it's easy to tell when it's a half moon, yeah. but it's not easy to tell when it's a trine. You know what I mean? When it's, sure. well, 120 degrees, you know, it's, <laughs> that's much harder to tell. But at some point yeah. they did that too. So then they had, har well, aspects, harmonics, one, two, three, and four, or conjunction, opposition, trine, and square. Yeah. And then, of course, with harmonic theory, would you like to go into harmonic theory? And Oh, gee, am I, am I qualified to comment on harmonic theory? Oh, um, wait, you, you like harmonics? Of course. Well, I mean, I th the implication of, of harmonic theory is that you can. Um, let's see if I can put this in an intelligent fashion. You can translate the horoscope um, 
mean, to such a degree that you can examine in greater detail the um, the specific relationships between um, different types of, of aspects. You've already talked about harmonics one, two, three, and four, but you can essentially create a harmonic chart uh, for any um, uh, aspect relationship or, you know, uh, and uh, the, the larger picture is that each of these harmonic charts, because of the archetypal nature of numbers, has different implications, just as we were talking about earlier with the uh, the four aspects you mentioned, so that you can create a, a chart that allows you to explore those angular relationships in greater depth, and often it illuminates things that wouldn't necessarily be immediately apparent when you look at the radix, you know, that uh, it brings, for example, if you're talking about creative people and you look at the quintiles, you know, it's not easy to see quintiles and in the horoscope, but when you create a, a fifth harmonic chart, then suddenly they're readily apparent because they appear as yes. conjunctions and, and oppositions, right? So that's a it's a fascinating idea. And of course, as a professional classical musician, it's one that's had immense appeal for me, although I don't use it too much uh, in my own delineations. But I mean, I think Addy was really onto something quite fascinating. Yeah, and, John uh, Addy's a book on harmonics, harmonic astrology, yeah. I think it's called, I forget, but yeah. people can yeah. find it. It's really groundbreaking. Yeah. I had it well, decades ago, and I devoured that book. Really interesting. I, now, I don't agree with every single thing. For example, he gave the opposition half the orb of a conjunction. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but besides that, I mean, it, it, there's so much in it. There's so many interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and he was it's a, a pioneer idea. in that area, above all. It's always, yeah. it's, it's always impressive. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was trying to get at the fact that, okay, with harmonics, it's kind of well, an intellectual theory, I guess you could say. It's very simple. It's the circle, 360 degrees, the zodiac, uh, yeah. divided by numbers. Right. If you divide by one, you get 360 degrees, which is the same as zero degrees. That's a conjunction. Two planets exactly together from your point of view. Divided yeah. by two, you get the opposition, 180 degrees. Divide by three, you get the trine, 120 by four, the square, uh, 90, by five, the quintile, 72, and it's multiple, 144, by quintile, and the sextile, 60, and so on, uh, one number after the other. Uh, of course, I don't think it began that way at the beginning with astrology. I don't think those cavemen thought, well, let's see if we take the whole circle around there, if we divide it by two, we'll get, no, they just looked up and saw a whole, for example, no doubt starting with the moon, it's full now, but then it starts yeah. getting smaller. You know, I don't think they thought in terms of numbers and dividing. <laughs> no, uh, of course not. That came later, of course. And yeah. it's another way of describing the same phenomenon. And when you get into harmonics, uh, you can yeah. get into so many different phases. The thing is, yeah. though, the higher the harmonic number, the smaller the aspect distance. Sure. And so then we get to a point where if you take enough harmonics, theoretically it's like well you imagine you have a a square it's far from being a wheel it has four yeah. sides but imagine a figure has a thousand sides that's almost a wheel <laughs> because of yeah, sure, tiny of side. and that's what you get to you can take harmonics up to harmonic 500 and such things which i never yeah. do it makes very little sense for a number yeah. of reasons I won't get into now uh practically i've seen uh, harmonics <coughs> oh, excuse me up to maybe 
well, up through 12, definitely. I always use them. Yeah, I've used the 13th harmonic chart myself. Yes, I've pointed that too. I don't know. Do you have yeah. any idea what it means? Well, I, I, I come back to some of the archetypal associations of, of uh, 13 as, you know, expressed through the tarot and elsewhere so mm -hmm. that it has uh, a lot to do for me with the, with the notion of, of death and transformation in individuals' lives. And uh, I've, I've used it, you know, fairly effectively in that context in classes that we've taught. You know. Well, the problem with that, to me, it seems that, uh, first of all, when big things happen in life, you usually they're not marked by harmonic 13 aspects in general from yeah. what i've seen they're marked yeah. more by oppositions and squares and such things uh -huh. which would make more sense although i have to say i've delved into harmonic 11 and it's extremely strong which suggests yeah. to me harmonic 13 could also be so you could be right there i haven't gone into yeah. it too much harmonic 11 i've gone into quite a bit a yeah. addy had written only about that that he doesn't know just what it means but that it seems to mean excesses because he had a few charts of alcoholics with harmonic 11. Uh, interesting oh, in that respect, uh, decades ago, I had a big book that had hundreds of celebrities charts. Yeah. And one of those charts was the chart of Linda Lovelace, if anybody oh, yeah. remembers who she was. And she had deep throat very, Linda. very interesting harmonic configuration, if I recall correctly. It was Venus, Mars, and Pluto. Uh -huh. Well, Venus is the neck and throat area and Pluto is deep and we know what Mars is. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah and yeah. excessive, the harmonic 11 excess, right? So you put those yeah, three sure. together. I remember, I remember laughing my soul that, well, there could be something to that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether 11 excesses I've seen often that the effect can be the same as like a square in opposition. Mm -hmm. I have examples from, real events in my life that are really astounding. Harmonic 13, I haven't gotten into too much, but what I've found in general is these attempts to say, for example, harmonic five is creativity. And he said five, that is the circle divided by five. There are distances of 72 degrees or 144 degrees between two planets in the chart. Yeah. And the two examples given were the charts of Mozart and Hitler. Mozart is extremely creative and Hitler is extremely destructive. So harmonic five can be really creative or really destructive. Uh -huh. uh, harmonic seven, well, seven being a mystical number, they yep. say that has to do with uh, more mystical things. And I think that's true. Yeah. It's interesting with the number seven, those who know the work of Michel Gokalin, well, he didn't exactly do it, but somebody else, I forget who did it. He, they took all the data, all the thousands of charts that Gokalin used, and uh, uh, one group was for uh, priests and clergymen. Right. I think it's about at least 5,000 charts. Mm -hmm. And they noted the sun signs around a big, I guess they put a poster on the wall with a big zodiac and put in all the sun signs of that. And all the groupings of sun signs formed a seven-pointed star. Oh, that's interesting. Now, of course, there were some in between there too. It wasn't that only seven points were occupied. But in general, you see clusters at seven points. And yeah. seven would correspond, uh, in one sense, the planet Saturn, actually, yeah. in traditional yeah. astrology. If we don't take Uranus, Neptune, Pluto into account. And yeah. Saturn used to be the planet of death. Now, of course, right. it's not. Now it's, <laughs> it's Pluto. I, I think it can also be Saturn. Hmm. It's the boundary between this Definitely. life Definitely. and the other. And so... <laughs> 
some of these harmonic numbers uh, are connected to numerological considerations. Yeah, no, of course. Nine in in, uh, Indian astrology, Hindu astrology, they always do, well, they use harmonics, but in a different way. They don't use, I won't get into technically how they do it. Uh, we, we do a different type of chart for that. But they use yeah. the harmonic nine, basically, and for finding the right marriage partner. That's right. The Navamsha. Yeah, yes, Navamsha. Right. And that's three yeah. times yeah. three, nine. In other words, they're very yeah. harmonious aspects. So you look for good planets with nine. Yeah. But the problem is when we get to these other prime numbers, 11 prime number, uh, 13, it becomes increasingly difficult to define what they are. And we get the numbers like, I don't know, 31 <laughs> or yeah, I think they become some others uh, somewhat know, meaningless, how, I think, the higher you get. But Yeah, I always like to go back to the very simple thing. What is the opposition and what would the trine be? What would the square be? And theoretically, you have an astrology that only would have those conjunction, opposition, say trine and square. Well, that's almost all the traditional aspects anyway, right? Then they threw in the sextile, and then they got around to the semi sextile and the and the quincunx, mm -hmm. oh, and then semi square. <laughs> you know, they would keep adding, yeah, uh, to it to their arsenal. Uh, what's your experience with? I don't know either people and their personalities or with things happening and aspects that occur at the time when something big happens i'll put it that way no i don't think well i mean i think i think that you know um i mean i, I probably haven't studied it to the same degree you have uh but uh certainly in in many of the delineations um i've seen and i've worked on in recent years you know that the Particularly if you're talking about illness and 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 death, I think that the traditional uh, aspects seem to be the strongest: the uh, the square and the opposition. I've uh, seen that, yes, yeah. exactly. But I, I but I would also argue, I think that the quincunx, because of its implications for health as well, is uh, often active um, too. But, Have you studied uh, deaths like of I don't know, family members or people, and studied the aspects they had when they died? No, I don't have any of that information. <laughs> oh, really? No. Horribly, I'm shocked. Horribly <laughs> remiss. Can you believe I'm that person front. long before I did astrology? I remember in 1966, I had to save my yeah, aunt's but... house because my grandmother was in the hospital. And and I remember I heard my older cousin, uh, her, well, my aunt came home and, and said something. I didn't hear what it was. I was up in bed. And then they all started crying. I knew my grandmother had died. But I remember the time that I heard that. It was yeah. 1 a.m. <laughs> on February wow. 13, 1966. Even before I did astrology, I uh, remembered certain things like dates and times as if I knew someday you're going to be an astrologer and this is going to be useful for you. <laughs> yeah, well, there you and go. And it has been. I have a file where I write down things that happen. I have thousands of things. I mean, most things aren't deaths, of course, where everybody I would know would, would have died 10 times because I don't know that many people. Uh, but if I, for example... Four times I've fallen when running. I've been running for 30 years. And of course, if you run every two days, you're going to fall sometimes <laughs> over time. Sure. And sure. Uh, I, the first thing I would do, I'm on the ground. Oh, my God, is my leg broke? What time is it? I'd look at my watch. <laughs> I'd always know the time. Yeah, you're and so right. I have case study examples that are just incredible. 
to the exact minute and everything. And of course, when I hear that an ant died or this person died, I write down immediately what time I learned that. Right. Or with my parents, what time did they die? And also, what time did I learn that? The things you can find out are just incredible. Think about things about astrology. Yeah. And I would recommend to anybody who does astrology to do this, to have a little notebook and write down when things happen. You burn your finger while cooking. Why did it happen that moment and not a half hour before or after? And almost yeah. always you'll find indications, oh, it had to happen then, or it was highly likely to happen then and not at some other time. And this is the way you can really learn astrology, I think. Because yeah. with books, what they generally do is cherry pick their examples. I'm convinced of it. You know, they'll pick out of all the charts. Oh, this is a good example. I'll use this in my book and use this in my book. But all the examples that don't fit so much, well, they don't mention those. And I think those should be mentioned as well because those also happen. Sure. And, uh, oh, I have so many examples of things. And it's so fascinating for me, always. And do you know, it even goes to this extent. I have noticed when I'm talking, for example, I talk to my friend Juan, when we make MP3s because the time difference, I talk to him, then he responds. And it's about astrology, yeah. as, well, astrology theory, planning to do the next part of our astrology program, such things. And often yeah. I'll talk about some subject. I think, why am I talking about this? And then I'll look at the, the constellations of the time and I'll see indications. That's why I'm talking about this. And I mean, just right. in the chart of the moment. Not even right. necessarily transits to my chart. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But then you get transit uh, chart as well. Maybe the midheaven passing over my Saturn and it's more a, a serious conversation or whatever. It's yeah. really quite fascinating. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, I've done some, I've some work with that uh, when I used to, when I teach my um, medical astrology class, there's an exercise that uh, I found uh, I'm trying to think what book is it uh, doesn't matter, but it was about listening to the cosmos. And, you know, I have at some point I have my students, um, I've, I've picked out a certain, you know, uh, event that's transpiring from a, from a cosmic perspective. And I have them sort of tune in. And then, you know, the ideas that they, they draw or they write down their impressions of the moment. And often it's very interesting to see. Oh, what that's, that's a with. good exercise. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah, uh, I can't take credit for it. Michael Harding, I think, in one of his books uh, talks about it. Yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, I do that with myself yeah. anyway. I think, why am I in this mood now? Why this? And then I'll look and I'll see indications. Or, for example, you're working, I don't know, at your computer, for example, well, and you think, okay, now I'm going to do something else. Look at the chart for that moment. So often the ascended is changing signs. <laughs> oh, interesting. In other words, now it's time for something else. <laughs> yeah, or maybe yeah. the ascendant is passing over my Uranus or or the midheaven is whatever, right? Something yeah. that indicates change at this moment. Yeah. It could always make sure. you feel like a like a, a, a toy of fate that it's just, it's pulling your strings and make it, it's not really like that, but it, it it feels like that sometimes. Oh yeah, well, you know, they're, they're, I'm trying to think there have been a number of people in recent years who have advanced the argument that we, <clears throat> we really don't have free will, you know, that our bodies have already decided what we're going to do before we become aware of it. So it's another uh, well, not just in recent that. years that that yeah. debate goes back, I think, a couple of thousand years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Free but will I or not, some... I believe yes in free will, if only because since that problem cannot be solved philosophically, we either have to be agnostic and say, well, I don't know, it's one or the other, 
But if we choose, we should choose the one that's more positive for us in our lives. In other words, we choose believe something knowing that maybe it's not true, but if it helps you become a better person, it's good to believe that. That's my my viewpoint there. Okay. I don't I don't know. Do you believe in free will or are you uh, Well, I I mean obviously as an astrologer, I've become quite fascinated with with fate. And I, I do believe that people are fated to experience certain things, but it's in their response to those circumstances that I think their free will lies. Okay. So you're becoming just slightly Protestant. Interesting. <laughs> when I was studying, well, I wasn't studying formally, but buying every book I get my hands on in Germany back in 77 when I first got into astrology. And there there have two types of books I, I found. Some were written in the South by Catholic astrologers, others in the North by Protestant astrologers. And there's a big difference in their viewpoint. The ah, Catholic astrologers almost all believe in free will, practically all of them. But well, in that, the North, it was that. different. They tended to think it, it, it was more a fated thing. And that's, you know, Protestant, yeah. well, at least some Protestant theology. You yeah. know, God has planned everything. And even this this horrible uh, Calvinist doctrine of uh, determination that God yeah. knows before you're born whether you're going to heaven or hell. And so it doesn't matter. Yeah. You don't have to do any good works. You just, you know, you just live and you can't do anything about it. You want God's grace, but you're going to heaven or hell and God knows it already. What a horrible philosophy. I mean, really. Yeah. <laughs> what a horrible philosophy. Because even if that were true, it's good not to believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the Catholic teaching, I mean, on the other hand, uh, good no, works no. are important. You know, help your neighbor yeah. do good things. Of course, they distorted and said, yeah, the good works are giving us the church money so we can build yet another cathedral. That was sure. Or indulgences, you know, give us a hundred bucks and you'll suffer for a, a month less in purgatory, that sort of nonsense. Yeah, well, they also didn't want any intervention between humanity and, and God, right? So, I mean, if there was a, a sense that something could tell you uh, information to which you might not, not otherwise be privy, you know, yeah. that that had was counter to what you believed about God, that was very much anathema to the Catholic Church. Yeah, well, the Church, they of could... course, intuited and, and reasoned that yeah. if people try to read the Bible themselves, for 100 people, you can have 100 interpretations. Yeah. And so what you can have in the end is not one Catholic church that permeates all society. You're going to have all kinds of different religions, and they're going to be fighting against even killing each other. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. understand the church thinking, no, we need orthodoxy here because otherwise it's going to break out into chaos, which it did. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm not a good Catholic boy anymore, as I was as a little kid. And even then, I wasn't too good. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, but we come from that background. Uh, well, we've yeah. kind of, oh, I've kind of gotten us off the track of aspects, but nonetheless, uh, oh, right. to get back to the aspects uh, here, when you do a natal chart, when, I, when you interpret somebody's chart for them, whether friend or client, uh, yeah. how deeply do you go in aspects and what do you look for? What stands out most for you with aspects? What would you mostly concentrate on? Well, again, uh, as a as a person with an ostensibly medical thrust to his interest, I look at the sort of the traditional um, indicators of disharmony. You know, uh, so that would be uh, you know squares and oppositions, and maybe some and quincunxes. Obviously, they're a little more recent. Um, you know, for medical types of things, you know, there's generally the con the conception that, you know, disharmonies, you know, 
along those lines have a great deal to do with the types of illnesses people may manifest. Um, okay, let me ask you something, though. I know yeah. and I believed it for most of my astrological life, opposition, square, semi-squares, it's disharmonies. Yeah. But now let me ask you this. If you have a string, a vibrating string, in a harpsichord or piano or whatever, yeah. if you pluck that string, uh, uh, Let's see, how can I say, if you hold down part of that string in the middle and then pluck one at the sides, what interval do you get? Initially, you get the octave, of you course. You get the octave. Now, why is an yeah. octave not harmonious? Well, to me, that's the the, the paradox of the... Uh, uh, oh, you're talking about, still about octaves, sorry. Uh, octaves are harmonious. They represent... They are. So I ask you, why is an opposition or a square, square being half, well, opposition, you know, half of the full conjunction that is 360 degrees and then the square being half of the other because if you hold down the string again you get the octave above that so considering the fact that in music the octave principle the having principle you know, that is having h-a-l-v i-n-g yeah uh considering the fact that that's very harmonious why do we think in astrology that's not harmonious that's just the opposite well, I mean, I, I think that has a lot to do with probably on some level with our human experience of opposition. But but I always feel with the opposition, it, there's a there's a paradox involved in that, you know, we do historically regard it as being, you know, um, a dissonant relationship, for want of a better term, you know, but that paradoxically, and this gets back to, I think, to our whole idea of, of aspects, because of course, aspect means what? Aspect means view of a, yes. of, a, of a, another thing, right? So paradoxically, when the planets are in opposition, they have the single greatest opportunity to see each other. Yes. Right. And so Awareness, to, right? To, yeah, right. And to my way of thinking, you know, that has a lot to do with potential for the integration of the seeming polarities, that it's not as great a uh, conflict as we might otherwise believe. But again... Traditionally, it would, of course, consider to be uh, challenging for the person because well, there, there is there is a challenge of integration, of course. Of the yes, well, I'm an iconoclast, as you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've come to the conclusion, I don't think that opposition squares are disharmonious at all. What I think okay. is, I think we talked about this offline sometime okay. when we weren't recording. Yeah. yeah. I think with these uh, aspects, the energies flow the most directly. Therefore, yeah. if you have a, an opposition, say, with planets that, that are troublesome, yeah. Sun, opposition, Saturn, that's troublesome because the Sun is getting a direct dose of Saturn right? very strongly. But if it's Jupiter, I don't think that is bad. Evidence for that, we see very often in astrology. Imagine a client of yours has Jupiter conjunction ascendant this year. What astrologer yeah. is going to say that that's bad? None. They're going to say, well, of, this is good. You have expansion any. and travel and da-da-da. Even some will say happiness and good fortune. But what is the ascendant? The ascendant, by definition, is the point on the ecliptic to the east of the place of birth that exactly is 90 degrees from where you are. 90 degrees, a square. Right. Any planet on the ascendant, whether natal or transit, is in square to you. Right. So why then is Jupiter passing over your ascendant considered some something good when it's a square? 
When on the other hand, if it's square your sun, you say, well, that's the excesses of Jupiter gluttony and, you know, all these things. Why mm -hmm. in that case is it bad, but if it's on the ascendant, it's considered good? I think mostly because astrologers don't realize the ascendant means the planet is 90 degrees from you. They don't even realize, they don't know their astronomy, first of all. Yeah. But the fact that it's like that suggests to me, and that's where I first got the idea when I really got into the astronomy of all this, all that an opposition or square means, these are strong aspects because the energy flows most directly. I often compare it to type, different types of metal. Imagine you have a cup of really hot tea and use a silver spoon. You're going to burn your fingers because silver is a good conductor of heat, better than certain other types of metal. You use a wooden spoon, you don't feel practically anything, just a little warmth. And so for yeah. me, aspects like, well, the conjunction opposition square and to a lesser degree semi-square, they conduct the energy more directly. So then it depends yeah. on the planets. If you have a square sure. between Saturn and Neptune, good luck with that. That's the, the one of the aspects I most fear because that's yeah, yeah. not a pleasant aspect. I mean, no, really. But if it's between Venus and Jupiter, it can be a very good aspect. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe because the energies are so direct, it's like, well, say Venus conjunction Jupiter, maybe you just want to party all the time or chase women all the time. And so maybe yeah. you exaggerate. Oh, okay. But you're having fun doing it. <laughs> it's not like... So yeah, well, I... I mean, I think that... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, please. I, guess I, I think we always have to bear in mind that these things manifest along an archetypal spectrum. And on the one hand, you have the potential downside. And then the, on the other end, you have the the good stuff, you know? Um, so uh, I think that anybody who's achieved a certain sophistication in their understanding wouldn't necessarily interpret these things as uh, being, you know, universally positive or universally negative, depending on what's involved. I mean, for example, uh, as someone with elevated Saturn, you know, I'm a big fan of Saturn. Uh, I've certainly had to confront it in my life with Sun Square Saturn. Yes, yeah. Uh, but but I'm a big fan of Saturn, you know. So I mean, I think it really has a lot to do with with you know your individual response to things and the idea that you don't want to necessarily fall into cliches. I mean, I think a great many modern astrologers do do tend to do that. You know, they they've learned what what X means, and so that's that's their their perspective. You know. Um, Yes, uh, I have to agree with everything you've just said. Uh, and I yeah. being Saturnine myself with Sun and Saturn in, in an almost exact uh, parallel declination. Yeah. Conjunct in my chart, but that's a little over seven degrees, so it's not as obvious there. But the declination is just a few minutes of orb. And I appreciate Saturn too. Nonetheless, if I have a choice of having Saturn be going over my ascendant next year or Jupiter, I'll take Jupiter any day of the week. <laughs> oh, you will? Okay. Well, uh... <laughs> and you know, well, you know, <clears throat> you know, when Jupiter goes over your ascendant, you might get, you might gain weight, but I, I don't think that's. Well, I could use it. I could, I could use a little weight because <laughs> I, I'm a lightweight. I, I really. <laughs> Yes, you are definitely. Yeah. So I could use a little of that. Well, I don't want to put on a bunch of fat or whatever, but but nonetheless, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, it. I think it depends on what you're, what you're doing. Maybe, if you have a Saturn yeah. aspect and you're doing serious work that requires focus and dedication, Saturn's perfect. Yeah. But if you just want to have a good time, it's really not so perfect. No, of course not. Yeah, uh, and the, and then of course the whole idea of. Uh, 
the disharmony of squares. I mean, I, I think most of our colleagues out there would agree that a person whose chart didn't manifest any squares is probably someone who's not going to amount to much. I mean, possibly not. But, they say uh, that sometimes. I remember back in my really early <clears> days of <throat> astrology, it must have been 1979 or something. And yeah. I remember seeing a chart of some girl, I guess back then being young and wanting to meet girls, I put ads in places, in place where you put ads for free, like little local newspapers, or whatever, uh, yeah. saying that I would do charts for free to practice, but only ah. for girls. And so I got to meet a lot of girls that way. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, one of these girls I met and you know, nothing came of it in a romantic sense, but I remember she had only positive aspects, trines and yeah. sextiles. And she's yeah. a really boring person. <laughs> there you go. So you need I a thought, bit well, of grit. <laughs> gee, yeah. Uh, give me a square at least or something. Give me some <laughs> little spice. It was like, I don't know. So she was so bland. I mean, she seemed yeah. content with everything with her life, but yeah. just, you know, it's like a facade with nothing <laughs> there. Now there could be, differences that was just one person other people maybe a lot of trines and they're very deep people uh, i don't i don't know you can't judge by one case obviously uh yeah. what aspect if we talk about well we talked about transits before but let's say natal what natal aspect is there that you would not like to have maybe you have it but maybe it's i think i have, have it already sun square saturn <laughs> oh really that's the worst you can think of well no maybe you're I mean, I've got Sun Pluto square Saturn. That's pretty heavy duty. Um, oh well, I'm not a big fan of Neptune. But that's a lot of strength as well. Sun yes, Pluto of course. Saturn, I mean, that's that's, that's the paradox. Strong. You see, yeah, that's the paradox, right? Um, Neptune. I'm I'm not a big fan of Neptune. Um, I see that it does uh, sometimes much more harm than good. In... Yeah, for me, it's Saturn-Neptune. In my experience yeah, with no, transits, that... for example, when you get Saturn and Neptune, yeah. look out, at least for me. Yeah, well, the cosmobiologists would certainly agree with you. The Saturn-Neptune midpoint, you know, is is the cardinal axis of, of disease as far as they're yeah, concerned. Yeah, I've I heard that. I, I always want to, every once in a while, I remember that I think I should follow the midpoint of Saturn-Neptune, but then you'd have to calculate it. <laughs> I usually just forget yeah. it then uh yeah it's interesting because communism is represented by saturn neptune yeah yeah I if, if that isn't a once. sign that communism is not desirable i don't know what is <laughs> and you know what's interesting a few days ago i was talking to one mom, this friend of mine about communism and why yeah. it's never a good thing i mean it's never a good thing just short form it's a lousy economic system that won't work and so <laughs> why invent an economic system that can't work and that's what they did with communism. But I was ranting yeah. and raving against communism, reminded yeah. myself of Joe McCarthy almost, well, not at that extreme. But then yeah. I looked, I said to one yeah. when talking, I said, well, I wonder what planets in transit are like right now. Yeah. And so with our program, brought up, brought up the chart of the moment, and wouldn't you know it, Saturn was rising and so was Neptune. <laughs> no, Neptune was right on the ascendant and Saturn was in house 12. That's why I'm talking here. And and on cusp 10 was Mercury. So there I was talking yeah. about, about Saturn, Saturn Neptune. Neptune. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And why that combination isn't so good. But now, if they're in conjunction, that'd be difficult, opposition, square. Let me ask you this, though. I'm really yeah. curious uh, your experiences. Suppose you have two planets that are not so good together, say Saturn and Neptune, yeah. but they're in trine. 
would you see that as something positive or negative? Or something, I'll, I'll say, put it this way, desirable or not desirable. In the past, we talked about good and bad aspects. But then we read that, oh, well, no, it's not good and bad because, yes, maybe Saturn Neptune is going to make you weaker and weaker. It's going to kill you, but that's good for your soul development, you know, that sort of talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's not really bad. It's like, you know, the, 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 the I don't know, a priest or something. Well, it's not really bad. Yes, you're suffering, but then you're kind of like Job, and that means that you're, the God's going to say that kind of stuff. But if you're suffering, you're suffering. You don't want to suffer, period. I'm more practical in that sense. Yeah. And uh, I like to say maybe desirable, not desirable. It's true that sometimes you have undesirable aspects. You go through difficult things in life, but you grow through that. And so that's a good thing, obviously. Yeah, but nonetheless, sure. you're not going to look forward to having these times because they're so difficult. So once again, yep. uh, if you have, if you see, for example, uh, I don't know, Saturn is trying your Neptune, would you think, oh, that's good. I have a Saturn transit trying my Neptune. Or would you think, uh oh, I don't want them to be in contact at all in any kind of big aspect. What would your... Yeah. Um, that's a tough one to sort of suss out. Um... Because I, you know, I, I don't know that I've ever seen that in, in my own. In, oh, in yeah. Well, chart. okay. Since they're so slow, maybe you <laughs> don't remember when it happened or whatever. I don't have any answer personally, yeah. but I would almost well, I prefer mean, they don't have any contact at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just no. like... Well, I mean, you certainly, the, um, the Vedic system has this whole idea of planets being friends and enemies, you know, and uh, the idea that, I mean, there, there are two antithetical energies right i mean that's the that's the, the terrible thing is that and if we you know depending on how we construe them archetypally they really don't support each other the one example that i thought of i was thinking more natally was the idea of people that are um naturally intuitive because the, the big challenge with that of course is grounding you know you meet a lot of meet a lot of psychics who you know are in touch with alternative realities but they're you know their personal lives are a mess because they're they, they don't necessarily want to be in a body you know and so the, yeah a lot of psyches like, have mental problems yeah so. yeah so you know i think that would be a necessarily a helpful steadying influence on, on someone of that nature and of course as a transitory um event probably wouldn't hurt either you know could um, it be they're not as psychic during that time though oh could be yeah it could be that i mean you know saturn is all about the hypo functioning of things so i mean um it could certainly manifest in that way i think yeah yeah um would i want it myself uh yeah i don't know you know i don't have any problems with grounding i don't think you do either so although i certainly did until my first upper saturn square i wasn't it wasn't really in my body so uh, i can relate but i think that was more um and what do you choice. mean by that you weren't really in your body well you know we're getting now into sort of uh, the esoteric terrain of the paradox of being, you know, an undying spirit in physical form. You know, there are people who are more naturally attuned to, you know, the, the spirit realm or the alternative realities or whatever term you're comfortable with. Um, but often they have great deal of difficulty being incarnate, you know. And of course, the other the other parallel we could invoke in there, or the other polarity, is the idea of, of mind versus body. For example, we have a lot of people now who are utterly, 
fixated on their their portable electronic devices and electronic devices detach us from from our physical being you know they uproot us so that uh, one of the big challenges i think that faces our modern culture is is in getting back to a more organic way of being in relationship with nature we've lost that and as a consequence we've lost a vital aspect of of our being you know it's i think it's very challenging for people to be um in uh really present you know in order to be authentically present in any given moment you have to be anchored in your own physical being and i think very few people are because they're everything about our society right now takes them away from that that core of being and into you know it, you know addictive behaviors with the internet or drugs or i mean whatever it is you know they they don't really want to be incarnate because to be incarnate means to be subject to the um, vicissitudes of being. And so they would rather escape by various means. And they, they literally do escape energetically, I think. Um, you know, again, one of the paradoxes of doing intuitive work with people is to a certain extent, you have to leave your body in order to tap into their their reality. But then the challenge then lies in returning back into your own body so you're not contaminated with um you know their energies or take on board any of their energies i don't know if you've observed this david but people with neptune angular often are really tremendously psychic you know or or tremendously tuned into uh other realms but they have real difficulty you know being in physical form because they're much more comfortable out in the you know the the ethers i think i told you the story about the woman um who i met um when I was teaching my first medical astrology class for acutonics, who was a, an acupuncturist from Florida. And also she was an astrologer. And she told me that she had Neptune right on the IC. And when she used to work in a corporate realm, um, that if she got angry, she would walk down the corridor in her office and the clocks would stop all around her. Oh, so really? <laughs> no. Yeah. There was no separation between her and materiality right because she wasn't really in her own body right so her energies permeated the the ether around her and affected things on a physical level and uh, i could think of another example now this is not neptune this is uranus but of a very uh experienced medical astrologer who i worked with although i never really studied with her um who was constantly blowing up her computers and she has uranus right on the ic Oh. you know so yeah so uh and of course that's a that would be a classic sign right uh uranus angular is, is a classic sign of of some kind of unexpected often catastrophic event you know there's the famous story Indeed. about john varley you know the story about john varley the uh, the early astrologer who uh, was very interested in uranus and was trying to figure out what it meant no i don't think and, i do yeah, this is a great story. I love this story. I'm probably going to bungle it, but anyway, but he was he was studying Uranus very intently, and he saw on a certain day that Uranus was going to be directly on on his midheaven, and he thought, "Oh, gee, what should I do? Should I lock myself in my house?" You know, and um, I forget the precise circumstances, but he I, he when he realized that nothing much was going to happen, he he rushed out into the street and he ran into his son and he said, "Oh." You know, I'm so distressed because, you know, Uranus isn't behaving the way I thought. And he said, his son said, so well, I'll tell you this. He said, but your house is on fire. 
as he was so delighted because that was the kind of thing he was expecting, you know, with Uranus Angular that way. <laughs> he actually sat down and wrote down his observations and let his house burn to the ground. <laughs> of course, the sad thing about that is that yeah. a scientific skeptic would say, well, but subconsciously he wants something to happen, so he did something in the house that caused the fire. Oh. And so yeah, that well, doesn't he... count as an example of Uranus having... Yeah. Yeah, but if, but if he didn't, I mean, what, he left the gas on? I mean, you know what? <laughs> well, no, but that's, I mean, that's, scientifically, that's what they would say. I, I wouldn't oh, say that necessarily. I would say yeah. that. I could say, and in a sense, they'd be right, because it could be another explanation. Sure, but why would it happen? Because I've been in situations that like that. Something happens, but yeah. if he would say, well, you knew you have a constellation, so probably subconsciously you've made it come about. Yeah, but if you don't know, I, for example, we were... We were uh, we were in New Mexico a, a number of years ago for Thanksgiving, and um, uh, uh, our host, our, our dear friend who was our host, uh, we were staying in a little casita on her property, and there was a, a kitchen there, and there uh, it was an oven, and uh, she wanted to um, uh, use the oven later on, and um, came out and turned it on, unbeknownst to us, and uh, at some point, Mary Elizabeth reached in there and took hold of a pan, thinking she would help her out, you know, and empty the oven, and burned her hand very, very severely. And I did happen to notice that at the time that occurred, that Mars was right on the ascendant. And at the same time, I hit my head, right? And um, Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that wasn't anything we did, you know. Other oh, than yes, well, there are that, moments yeah. like that. And the entire yeah. day is... Uh is filled with moments of different sorts. Yeah, In other words, there's certain yeah. types of day where it's, mo where it's most probable or more probable that you would have a little accident, for example. Not that you have a little accident every day, at least I hope not, I don't. Yeah. But if you're going to have one, it's most probable at this, this or that time. And then there are other days That's... when there's such an accumulation of different aspects that it becomes very probable. And then of course, yeah. there's another class of events, I think, uh, one could say ones that are fated, I don't mean determined in that sense, I mean maybe before we're born we decide we're going to go through certain big events such as a certain accident yeah, because it's absolutely. going to serve a certain spiritual purpose. Absolutely, yeah, I can think of specific uh, uh, instances of that where uh, people have had a certain health problem and then been told afterwards by a psychic that, oh, you you signed on to experience this because, you know, uh, you are removing family karma. doesn't really have anything yes, to do with you. Yes, that sort of thing. But yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, and again, I'm sure if you looked at, at the configurations for those moments, you would probably see something fairly significant. Um, yes, whether so it be predictable got... or not is another question, because most oh, of these no. things well, again, are not that predictable. Whole... Yeah, it's this whole, again, this whole archetypal spectrum of, of things, you know, it's like Uranus hits your ascendant. Okay, well, what does that mean? Oh, you go out and buy a new computer. Okay, well, or, or you know, you um, your house is hit by lightning. I mean, it's any number of things that could be, that could be relevant, you know. Um, well, when I had it, yeah, uh, uh, that's when I got my harpsichord. There you go. It was a new harpsichord. And which, which was, of course, an old instrument, not a new instrument, but it was brand new. <laughs> so that, yeah. And yeah. of course, that have, and it was Mars and Uranus on my ascendant in transit. Wow. That's, At the that's... same time, I had a sort of romance there I won't go into that was quite exciting. 
<laughs> so mm-hmm. That was a very good year. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and I was making really good money as well. Uh-huh. But I was often looked back and thought, yeah, Mars Renaissance on the ascended, that should have been a big accident. On the other hand, there weren't any other signs of something like a big accident. Because I've studied yeah. accidents and it's usually a number of things of the Yeah, I think you have to have more than one thing. Uh yes, that's a really or, uh, fascinating sort of study. Or like the, the deaths of my two parents. I mean, they died in far apart time-wise, but very interesting, the things that came together there. And once mm-hmm. again, it wouldn't have been predictable, but it would have been a situation, well, if your old mother's going to die, it's most likely it's going to be there. It's, it's a, a probability science, in a sense, astrology, as I see it, well, on that level. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, of course, absolutely. then when you interpret combining what you see technically with aspects and all these things, and then consider the person and take into account other things you perceive from the person, or if it's about yourself, because let's face it, there could be somebody else that was born in the same hospital where you were born at the exact same minute, and they have the exact same chart. But of course, yeah. they're different in so many ways. But that's they're the also absolute limit of astrology, obviously. Similar in certain ways, I think. Uh, well, yeah, they could be similar in certain ways, but nonetheless, yeah. their economic background could be different, their parents are different, genetics are different, their past lives are different. Despite oh, yeah. books like true, Martin yeah. Schulman, if you had Venus in the 12th house, then you were a prostitute in the 16th century. You know, that sort of uh, wow, that's that sort that's stuff. that's really specific. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just making that one up. But if you read these books like with the North Node in the 11th house, well, you have a karma with friends, da da da, which means that yeah. one person in 12 has that because one person 12 has a North Node in the 11th house, and the, yeah. it, it, I, as I recall, we can go into more detail, but you can't do that with astrology. And just an example. I hope Martin Schumann no, you have listen to have this. That might be long dead. dead. I don't know, but. I'm just rather yeah. straightforward. There's some things you can do with astrology, some things you can't do. And some of these books are, uh... I don't know, I get the idea. Academia is often criticized these days because if you learn, for example, you're interested in sociology, but then you learn the academic views on sociology. They teach you what to believe, I'll put it that way. I mean, yeah. that's a big problem today. You think of the leftism in the universities, right? Uh, Oh, Whereas boy, you yeah. have people like Eric Hoffer, who is a great sociologist, wrote The True Believer, the best study in mass movements written up to that time. And he never went to school at all. But he observed and he lived and he read and he read and he read. Uh, so, yeah. you know, and with astrology, it's the same thing. People learn from books. And so from the very beginning, they're taught, oh, this is what that means. This is what that means. And house one, that's like Aries. And, and Mars is like Aries too. So there we have three Aries, you know, this kind of stuff without yeah. thinking of the difference between a sign and a house astronomically. And without yeah. thinking, <clears throat> you know, okay, Mars belongs to Aries or it's the ruler. But what does that actually mean? They don't really think about it. They just kind of connected. And so then they have their their recipe for making interpretations. That's what they do. And I did yeah. the beginning as well. I was a victim of that as well. But since I'm a, a thinker, the more I thought, the more I thought, wait a minute, something's not right here. It's what doctors do as well. Oh, you have yeah. high cholesterol. Well, I'm going to give you Lipitor here. And uh, never mind the side effects. You can get severe arthritis and you can get cancer. And uh, my mother took it for yeah. years and she got severe arthritis and cancer. <laughs> so maybe coincidence, I don't know. You never know, but uh, that's what doctors got, do. 
they, they, we've got a medication for that so yeah it's yeah. a medication for them like one spanish doctor who's a good one told me the average doctor deals with about 20 different drugs if you have this he'll give you this drug that he gives you this drug that this drug and it's always one type of drug because that's the pharmaceutical company that made him the biggest bribe and so yes, he's going to use that right. drug and not the other ones he's never going to use alternative medicine because then nobody really makes money that people don't need him anymore uh and he said, that's what most doctors do. And if it's something a little more complicated, they send you to a specialist. And then the same routine starts on a different level there. And it's sad, but it's true. And the same thing with astrology. People learn from books. And, you know, let's face it, you have to start somewhere. Uh, there's one astrology book from my, <laughs> you had it too, I'm sure, uh, Derek and Julia Parker. Oh, yeah. What's the name of the book? I have to say, that was oh, the most attractive complete... astrology book I've ever seen in my life. It was a beautiful oh, a book. So yeah, filled with drawings and photos. He's like, it's like, wow, this is such a beautiful book. But it was really simplistic, traditional astrology for the most part. Not bad yeah. as an introduction, but I wish they had put, this is an introduction to traditional astrology, but it goes far beyond that. Just take this as a little part of your learning. They really should have done it that way. But that's yeah. the way a lot of people do astrology. It's, it's formulaic. Yeah. Yeah, and, cook, you know. Cookie cutter cookbook stuff. Cookie cutter, yes, yeah. exactly. Cookbook, yes, that's what they used to call these cookbook textbooks that they would yeah. then use for computer programs as well. Like Robert yeah. Hand's interpretation. He's a great astrologer, Robert Hand, and his interpretations for transits. Yeah, really good interpretations. But then they use them for computer programs. But then the people would read these texts, and usually a long text, oh, Jupiter, Trine, Sun. And this means you could be going on a big travel, big journey soon, and that sort of thing. And, you know, that's not really what it's about. That's, for me, I just don't see that as serious astrology anymore. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, we no, all grow that... beyond what we learn in school, hopefully, if we get into an area more deeply. Yeah. I'm sure that well, a I mean, I think you like Gauss have... went far beyond what he learned about math in school. <laughs> of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you have to... Uh absorb what you need to absorb and then come to your own conclusions i think you know, yeah then uh, then free yourself from some of the misconceptions you've absorbed and that's the difficult thing yeah, yeah. and uh yeah that's the really difficult thing and i'm still working at it because yeah. when you do something some way for years it's hard to divorce yourself from that even if you recognize well i should divorce myself from that yeah i, I don't mean a wife i'm never gonna get divorced <laughs> i married one time <laughs> no divorce for me there i'm a good yeah. catholic boy but it's really more because i found the right woman <laughs> you know yeah no, and i avoided marriage till i was 53 so <laughs> oh okay yeah and i i, I still think i was too young <laughs> I don't know. that's just me i don't know i guess i'd <laughs> yeah. try before you buy as they say you know but uh, once you've tried well, i you know, had one you know. i had one disastrous one but then you know for 31 years i've been you had a 31-year marriage? No, no, no. I had a disastrous uh, three-year marriage. Oh, three-year marriage, I was going to say. Well, okay, that's, for, that's bad enough. Yeah, but for the next 31, uh, I've had, you know, not a marriage, but in, in every sense, but well, not officially. Well, it's basically, yeah. Well, then you found yeah. the right person, obviously. Yeah, no, clearly. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah. 
aspects. <laughs> yeah, we always kind of get off the topic, but you know, it's like people listening in to two really advanced astrologers and people that don't know as much because I learned so much from people that knew much more than I did. And I still yeah. do about so many areas. And, yeah. and people can listen in and uh, this isn't exactly a, a course. We could talk, you know, I could, I could talk alone for probably 20 hours about aspects at least. I'm not going to yeah. do it because people would fall asleep. But there's so many interesting things there. Uh, but yeah. I hope that people would take away the idea that it's not as simple as looking up. Oh, a trine means this and a yeah. square means this. And if you have Mars square Saturn, then you have a tendency to brutality. Da, da, da. It can well yeah. be, but you have to understand the basic concepts behind the things. And with the aspect distances, it's always useful to think of the entire phase, the yeah. conjunction, how it gradually moves and then hits the, well, if you use, say, up to harmonic 12, say the yeah. 30 degree multiple aspects. First, you get to the semi-sextile and then to the sextile and then to the square and then to the trine, and then to the quincunx, then to the opposition, and then going backwards, the same aspects. But then you add other families of aspects like eight and you get the semi-square or seven you get the septile it's all worth investigating definitely uh how important they are i think they're important but it it depends on what you're doing and what you're looking for for really big events or really impactful things i found the the red aspects you know the i call it the family two <laughs> Yeah. In other words, the family of two, opposition, and then two times two, four, the square, and yeah. two times two times two, eight, semi-square, and then 16, if you want to go that far, semi-semi-square. Uh, mainly one, four, and eight, there are things where, the aspects where things happen. And because the energies are flowing more directly, if you have Saturn square sun or opposition sun that saturn's reaching you really directly if it's a septile only part of it's reaching you and a metaphor to to explain this here it's kind of like with the prism white light contains all the colors as they say but then yep. the spectrum had well okay here we see red and here we see yellow but that's just part of the entirety it's kind of the same thing with the aspects in other words a trine will transmit say from a transit Saturn to your sun, part of what Saturn is, but not all of what Saturn is. A conjunction mm -hmm. will give you all of what Saturn is. And I think an opposition will too, in a, in a different way, but it will also. The square, it's also very direct. But then a trine, another family of aspects, the three family, right? Three yeah. and then nine, the novile, that whole family related to the Nabamsa of the Hindus. Uh, the five family, in other words, it starts with each prime number, you have a new family. And that gives you another facet, like another color of the prism of this combination. I think that's a good starting point to meditate on aspects and aspect families and, and what they could mean. Yeah. To do creative work and to go beyond what you see in books. It's almost always uh, kind of superficial. It doesn't really get to the, the core. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, you know, often people that uh, <laughs> offer aspect interpretations are extraordinarily glib. And I, 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 I wonder where they where they get their information from. You know, it's a, yeah. 
it uh, it does often seem to be very much um, uh, formulaic, you know. Yes, although I have to say, on the other hand, maybe you've seen this phenomenon too. People that just start off with astrology, maybe do it intensively, and after one year, they're doing interpretations, and often they're very right because they don't know how difficult it is to do a good interpretation, and so they just throw it all out there like an Aries. This is it. Yeah. And sometimes they're right on the mark, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I did that at the beginning. In no time, I was doing interpretations, and so often I was right on the mark, and I would say things that I wouldn't dare say now because now I'm more cautious. I have more sense of responsibility, of ethics, what you should say, what you shouldn't say, the psychology of the person. But at the beginning, okay, I was more diplomatic than the average person back then, too, when I was in my early 20s. But nonetheless, I would just tend to put the things out there according to formulae, and amazingly often it did work. So I'm not saying these things yeah. don't work, but no, then sometimes you're wrong and just very, very wrong, and you say something you really shouldn't. And above all, you don't help the people to, to, to get a real uh, sense of what astrology can do and how, how they should understand it to get the most out of it. It's more like I'm giving you from on high this information, like a psychic would or something. And it shouldn't be like that. You should help people understand what astrology is, understand the basic energies involved, and learn to 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 flow with those energies. And then you've really helped them long term, and not just given yeah. them a one-time interpretation. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll give you an example of, of what I think was extremely irresponsible. Uh, on one of our astrology groups on Facebook, somebody posted that their their astrologer told them that they were going to die in such and such a year. But that 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 was okay because, you know, they were going to make considerable contributions before that. I thought. I thought how maybe the astrologer hated them and knew the power of suggestion. Yeah, because you can kill somebody know. that way. You can actually kill somebody that way. Yeah, but I thought how irresponsible and power abusive to do that. I mean, unless somebody specifically asks you, and even then, I would I would question. Well, first of all, you can't tell that with astrology. Second yeah. of all, if the astrology was psychic, maybe they could see that. But third of all, you should never tell a person that because yeah. you could actually kill them even if their time wasn't come. Because if they believe that, if they internalize that, then until that year comes, they, oh my God, I have two years, I, I have one year, year and a half to live, I have one year to live. And they actually kill them. They attract some sickness or attack some accident because they're convinced they're going to die. These people yeah. should be thrown in prison almost I feel like this yeah no i mean i just thought and of course this 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 new newbie astrologer just calmly accepted this idea that yes it was perfectly all right for her her astrology teacher to tell her that she was going to die and such that a, person wow. is a quack and a charlatan and i would yeah no it's but yeah. you know <laughs> of course how often do we have doctors well, you have stage three, stage four cancer, and well, you have about—I hate to say it—but you have about six months to live. In a way, that's the same. Yeah, thing. yeah, no, a self self-fulfilling prophecy. I mean, that that <laughs> happens all the time, and the people just say, "Oh, well, they've told me I'm going to die, so I'm going to die." I mean, it's just like it's, that it's happened a death to his sentence. father, of a good friend of mine in America, and they wanted yeah. to give him chemo, and and my friend said, "No, you're not getting chemo." They didn't. He had six months to live officially, right? Yeah. And of yeah. course, the doctors do it because statistically. They've seen a lot of cases with this stage of cancer, and 95% of the people die when well, they say, well, it's almost certainly you're going to die, right? A <laughs> 95% chance you're dead in six months. But yeah. my friend said, no, no chemo. We're going to give you all kinds of this alternative stuff and uh, extremely healthy food. Instead of six months, he lived for five years. Well, that's, that's 10 times longer. Yeah, absolutely. That's 10 times longer. 
So, you know, I don't know, but it, I don't know. Ethics, is that a, a lost art? Almost? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> basic it's... ethics, like think about what you're saying to people and the effect it could have and, and you know, yeah, why I mean, you're I saying think, it. And... I mean, I think definitely telling someone, you know, with a with a degree of certainty that you may or may not possess that they're going to die is is a terrible abuse of power and and the said is you're and you're absolutely right i mean i think it does kill people because they they lose hope and they don't even in particularly when we're talking about things like cancer they don't bother to investigate other options exactly know? yeah they, they just feel yeah. doomed and maybe yeah. okay maybe that's part of the whole game of their life maybe that's part of the plan i don't know yeah but so and it's always hard when you have an astrology client and you see really aspects you think oh my god i'm glad i don't have that <laughs> what do you do do you tell them boy i'm glad i don't have that uh yeah you have to be be careful there and, and, and not sugar-coated either though so that's always yeah uh, but, but on the other hand you know usually the aspects people have they have the strength to deal with that somewhere they have the strength to deal with that if they really want to, if they go about it the right way. But then that might presuppose certain positive beliefs that they should have to deal with that. And you could help them in that respect, definitely, yeah. I would say. Well, I think we should end now because we could just go on and on and on about one topic after the other. <laughs> and Absolutely. I don't know if we gave anything original about aspects here, but uh, yeah, we chatted about it and maybe some people can pick up some ideas from it and we can get yeah. back to this theme, maybe going more into subjects like orb and specifics yeah. of, of, of aspects. We could even sometime, that'd be an idea, take a planet combination and say, okay, what would that be like in opposition or square or trine or sextile or semi-square or quintile? What could yeah. that be like? Well, be yeah. an interesting exercise. People might yeah. want to hear such a thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll say we're going to sign off now. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Yeah. And thank you so much, Michelangelo, for this conversation. It was certainly You're interesting. You're very welcome, as my friend. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And yes, keep it's following us, people, on this. The Path of Socrates. You said it. <laughs> Bye I now. did indeed. Okay. Ciao for now, then. <laughs>